Welcome to the Empowered Eating and Living Podcast, where we dive into your inner world to explore all of the psychological, emotional, energetic, and spiritual components that may be influencing your struggle with food and eating. I'm your host, Sarah Emily Spears, a trained psychotherapist and energy worker who recovered from my own eating disorder. And now I help women just like you do the inner work to address the real issues keeping you stuck in your problematic eating patterns. Because I assure you, your problem with food is about way more than food. So join me and guest experts as we discuss the psychology of eating and healing and empower you with tangible steps you can take today to begin to improve your relationship with food and yourself from a place of true nourishment and care. There are five patterns that may be unknowingly keeping you stuck in your emotional eating cycle or experience of out of control eating or binging and purging. And these five patterns are really important for you to identify and recognize if you are in fact somebody who's stuck in these patterns because until you recognize and begin to shift these patterns, you may find that you remain stuck in the pattern of using food to self-soothe. So these are really important to get and not overlook because they really matter so much. They influence how you think, feel, and behave. They influence your eating habits, and how you feel about yourself and in life in general. So I'm going to tell you what the five patterns are, and then I'm going to dive into each one more in depth. So listen up. The first one is shaming and blaming yourself and refusing to forgive yourself. Next is thinking over feeling. The third is pushing yourself without pause. Fourth is work and no play. And fifth is putting everyone before yourself. And I promise you, it may not seem like it, but they are directly related to how you eat, how you nourish yourself, how you show up for yourself. So let's start with the first one, which is shaming and blaming yourself and refusing to forgive yourself. When you are stuck on an emotional eating cycle, one of the core components is that you end up experiencing intense shame after you have an eating episode. So the way that goes is you will have an experience, you know, you might come home from work, feel stressed or want to unwind or somebody said something that upsets you. So there's an experience, either external or internal, that creates an emotional response. And in response to those emotions, your brain cues for you to eat because food is a way that you soothe or regulate those sensations. Now, in the moment of eating, you feel better. Eating actually releases different chemicals, serotonin, dopamine, right? That help us actually feel better in the moment of eating. But when you're done with the action of eating, that's when you get hit with the shame. That's when the voice comes in that says, I shouldn't have done that. What's wrong with me? I'm never going to get better. I'm so frustrated with myself. And we loop in this mental criticism that produces way more shame. Shame is one of the lowest vibrational frequencies when we look at emotional energies. It's really dense. It's really heavy. And so it doesn't feel good to be marinating in your own internal shame. And the byproduct of guilt and shame is that, first of all, when you feel guilt, you conclude, I did something bad, right? So your brain says, what I ate was bad, how much I ate was bad. And so then you feel guilt because there's this label and judgment of it being bad or wrong. And then when we're dealing with shame, there's an internalization of the behavior and you make it personal. I'm bad. 
I'm bad because I did this thing or there's something wrong with me because I did this thing. And so because we begin to create this internal belief of I am bad, well, then if that's a subconscious belief system that's in place, it continues to perpetuate behaviors. It's the self-fulfilling prophecy. On some level, if you believe I'm bad, then you justify continuing to engage in the emotional eating cycle or the eating patterns that continue to produce the feelings of shame, that continue to reinforce your belief that I'm bad. And so if you're stuck in that shame spiral and that emotional eating cycle, and you constantly are creating shame over and over and over again, it becomes a familiar feeling that just reinforces the pattern you're trying to change. So the pattern of shaming yourself is a pattern that you have to break in order to break the pattern of the emotional eating cycle. I hope that is clicking for you in a way that maybe it hasn't before. And an important part of breaking the shame cycle is forgiveness. For some reason, I don't know why, but it just is that forgiving ourselves for our eating issues is one of the hardest things women have to do. It was one of the hardest things for me, right? Because I really blamed myself. Like, what is wrong with me that I can't control myself around food? And there was a part that was not willing to forgive myself. It was like, I'll forgive myself when I get it together and when I finally eat right and perfectly. Then I will be worthy and deserving of liking myself and forgiving myself. And maybe you're feeling the same thing. You know, maybe you're really thinking, I can't forgive myself. I'm mad at myself for continuing to make these choices, for not being able to make the choices that I want to make. But your inability to forgive yourself only perpetuates the shame and the judgment that perpetuates the emotional eating cycle. So instead of waiting for yourself to get it right and get it together in order to then forgive yourself, you got to do it the other way. We work on self-forgiveness, forgiving yourself for the struggle, forgiving yourself for not being perfect, forgiving yourself for messing up, forgiving yourself for having food cravings and a body that tells you to eat more than you need, forgiving yourself for not understanding what to do and being confused about how to get out of this cycle, it's okay that you don't actually have the answers and you haven't figured it all out. That doesn't mean you should hate yourself. It doesn't mean you should make it harder on yourself by creating more guilt and shame because that is only going to anchor you in stuckness. I'm telling you. It's the first pattern you have to really focus on changing and be willing to change, right? So say it with me. I'm willing to begin to forgive myself. I'm willing to begin to let go of the shame and the guilt that I've been creating for myself. I'm willing to have compassion for myself that I've been struggling with this pattern for so long. I'm willing to begin to be kind to myself. I'm not going to continue to punish myself and beat myself up. That hasn't been working. I'm ready and willing to try a new way. The second pattern is thinking over feeling. And in our society, this is sort of just the default operating mode for most humans. Our culture is very mind dominant. We try to think and figure out the solutions in our brain. I do this all the time. Sometimes it drives me crazy because my brain is just trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure out how to not feel bad. I'm trying to figure out how to feel better. I'm trying to figure out how to be happier. I'm trying to figure out how to be healthier. And it's like sometimes a never ending record in my brain that is just in the background trying to figure everything out. 
And your brain is probably doing this too. If you're struggling with your eating patterns, you're trying to figure out how to change them. And if you're emotionally eating, right, you're trying to think your way out of it. You're trying to think your way out of the craving. You're trying to think your way out of eating more. And typically that doesn't work very well. Because I've been in that situation too, where I'm literally eating, shoveling food in my face and trying to tell myself with my mind, my cognition, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this, Sarah. Stop eating. And I'm sure you've had that conversation with yourself too. And surprisingly or unsurprisingly, it doesn't usually work because we can't think our way out of an emotional eating episode. If it's involving emotions and we're eating to soothe the emotions, then we need to feel our way out of the episode. So when your brain is trying to figure out what to do to stop you from eating or to not give into a craving, usually what you need to do is you need to feel. You need to recognize what is it that doesn't feel good right now? What am I feeling internally that is causing me to want to seek out food to soothe or cope or regulate? And if you can begin to identify the emotional energy in your body or the felt sense and sensations in your body, the tightness, the heaviness, the discomfort, the anxiety, and you can begin to be with that and you can learn how to then feel that and not only feel that, but process it and metabolize it through your system in healthy and effective ways without using food, then you begin to liberate yourself from the emotional eating cycle. Because when you effectively feel and free your emotions, the emotions that are driving you to want to eat in the first place, whether it's to manage stress or whether it's to manage sadness or overwhelm, or even if it's to manage happiness and joy, right? It's celebratory. When you deal with the emotional energy itself, right? Just purely what's there, what is. And we don't sugarcoat it with food and we don't use food to stuff it down and we don't use food to try and make it go away. Well, then you don't actually need food to deal with the emotional energy because you've already felt it. You've already moved it through your system. Scientists say it takes 90 seconds to just liberate an energy through the body when you allow yourself to just fully feel it when you allow it to move through your system without resistance and without exacerbating it. And this takes a little bit of practice. Ironically, learning how to feel our feelings is not something that just comes naturally to us because so many of us have learned how to override our natural tendencies of feeling. We grew up in home environments where we were told not to cry or not to be angry, where it didn't feel safe to be expressive, or you didn't have somebody to show you how to effectively feel and process your emotions. And that's why we found other solutions, right? That's why your brain sought out ways to experience safety and comfort and learned that food was a source of that safety and comfort. So we're not blaming you for having that default mechanism of feeding your feelings rather than feeling them, but it just means that it's a pattern you need to begin to shift, which is instead of trying to think my way out of my eating episodes, I'm going to learn how to start to feel my feelings. Feeling is healing and it takes practice and it's a skill we all need to build. And even after 10 years of working as a therapist and a healer, like I am still learning how to feel the breadth and depth of my emotional energies. It's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like every day you discover a new aspect of yourself when you say yes to doing this inner work. 
The other piece I want to speak to about thinking over feeling, which is what we're trying to correct, is that you may find when it comes to how you speak to yourself and view yourself that you're trying to change how you think about yourself. You're trying to change the voice of the inner critic. And maybe you're saying affirmations like, I love myself. I accept myself. I, I know I'm capable of changing, right? And you're reinforcing these really beautiful, positive thoughts, new affirmations, but it doesn't seem to be working or sticking. And sometimes that's because you have to actually feel and process out of your system all of the uncomfortable sort of contrary emotions that are getting in the way of you fully feeling and believing you're worthy and deserving. So a lot of times I guide clients through feeling the amount of um, embarrassment or shame they're feeling about themselves or we process the hatred that's in their system or the disgust that might be there and the anger that you've been struggling for so long. In tapping, we're always focusing on processing and sort of taking out the uncomfortable emotional energies first before we reinforce the new belief systems and the new emotions that we want to have be sort of the dominant energy in place. So I think of it like a cup of water. If we have a cup of water that has dirt in it, and I'm trying to think positive thoughts and just put new clean water into that cup of dirty water, well, now I just have a cup with more dirty water, right? So first we want to dump out the dirt by feeling what's in there and clearing it from your system and then there's space to put in the new. So sometimes thinking your way into like loving myself and accepting myself and approving of myself is also a bit challenging if you haven't felt all the deeper inner emotional wounds that are in place that are keeping you stuck in not feeling good enough. So that's another reason why beginning to break the pattern of just thinking over feeling is important to recognize that I need to be able to feel what's here in order to improve how I think, how I act, how I behave. The third pattern is what I call pushing through with no pause. Um, This is probably all of us, especially in our modern age where we are just go, 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 do, 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 and do more and then do more and strive to do more and somehow fit in more and take on more responsibilities. I had to work on this. You're probably going to have to work on this. Most women I sit down with have to work on this, which is starting to slow down because the reality is your body, your nervous system has a limited amount of energy. It's like a battery. It's got charge, but that charge is not going to stay at a hundred percent forever. It begins to get depleted your tank begins to come become empty. And then before you know it, you're running on fumes. And if you hit that point and you keep pushing past the point where you have energy to give, now you're in a deficit. And do you know what happens when you're in the deficit? You begin to go into dysregulation. Not you, your nervous system, your body becomes dysregulated. It becomes taxed and maxed out. And that is when you are most vulnerable to have all of your symptoms just spring up on you. That is when you are most vulnerable to say, F it. I don't have the energy anymore to make good choices. I don't have the energy to make myself a meal. F it. I'm just going to 
eat what's in the cabinet. I'm just going to go pick up the food on the way home. I don't have the time or the energy or the capacity to take care of me right now because I've been pushing through without pause. I know, I know sometimes that these things feel out of your control, that you're just doing the best you can to get by and to survive. But if you're living in survival mode, it's going to be really hard, if not impossible, to change the emotional eating patterns because that is stemming in response to the stress that your body's in. So you have to prioritize slowing down and creating moments for you to rest and recharge. If we think of your body like a bank account, you have $100 in the bank account. If you spend the $100, you can't just go out tomorrow and spend another $100 because you don't have $100 to spend. You need to accrue more money in your bank before you go spend it again. So this is why the pause is so important because your body and your nervous system and your mind, in order to stay sane for your own sanity, needs to have downtime. You need to have rest and recharge time. And that might look different for everybody. So you get to look at your life and you get to feel into how that would really feel best for you. Like if time wasn't a problem, if money wasn't a problem, if you could really create your life to be however you wanted, what would your ideal rest and recharge time look like? Maybe it would just be an hour a day where you get to just be by yourself and lay down and meditate or stretch or go for a walk with your dog or just sit with a cup of tea, literally just stare out into nature, into the sunset, into the starry sky, take a hot bubble bath, you know, just lay, literally just lay on your floor and do nothing. You know, like what would that rest and recharge look like and feel like for you? How much time would you give yourself in an ideal world? And then from there, you get to prioritize how I can actually fit some of this into my true life. You know, maybe you give yourself a few hours a week. If you have kids, you know, a lot of things that that we'll work on with moms is how can you just give yourself two hours once a week? That gets to be your time. No kids, no husband, no chores, just you. Whatever you want to do, filling that time however you want. So giving yourself the pause giving yourself the recharge, giving your nervous system time to do nothing. Sometimes watching TV could count as a rest and recharge. Sometimes we just need to zone out. But I really want you to prioritize doing activities that actually benefit your nervous system, like the physiology of your nervous system. And if you're watching TV shows that are reinforcing like drama and violence, that may not actually support your nervous system and calming down. Like when I go to see a movie, like a Marvel movie in the movie theaters, my nervous system is hyper stimulated because I'm so on edge by all of the action going on around me, right? So you really want to pay attention to how something feels. And if you're going to be consuming media, make sure it really feels good to your nervous system, that it's soothing and it's producing pleasant energies and qualities. The other alternative that I give clients is you can schedule micro moments throughout your day. In fact, I would encourage you to do this regardless of whether or not you can get an hour window or a two-hour window in your schedule once a day or once a week is make sure you give yourself micro moments throughout the day. I'm talking about 60 seconds, two minutes, five minutes, multiple times a day where you pause, where you take a few breaths, where you just connect with yourself, 
where you don't do anything but just sit in silence and stillness for a few moments and you check in with yourself in your inner world and you notice how you're feeling. Maybe you listen to a few affirmations or a song that lifts you up. Maybe you just go for a walk for five minutes outside, but you're giving yourself micro moments to pause because the other thing that we tend to do is we start our day and we just go and we hit go, you know, pedal to the floor and there's no stopping. And again, that leads to burnout. It's like burning through the gas really quickly without taking any breaks. We need to take some bathroom breaks throughout the day when we're on a road trip and you need to take some pause breaks when you're going through your day with all the busyness that's going on. And you can do this at a stoplight. You can do this when you're going bathroom, right? You can do this when you're waiting to pick your kids up at school. You can find micro moments throughout your day to help calm yourself down to bring your nervous system back into a state of regulation. Because if you don't take those micro pauses, you run the risk of just having your nervous system be so taxed nonstop throughout the day that by the time you get home, it's game over. And we know that the evening times are the times you are most vulnerable to engage in your problematic eating behaviors. I know it is for a fact. And this is one of the reasons because you're pushing without pause. If you begin to give yourself moments of pause throughout the day, you are going to come home in a better state of regulation. You are not going to be maxed out and in the fuck it mentality where you're just going to do whatever you need to do to help yourself feel better, to get that moment of relief or relaxation because you're giving it to yourself throughout the day. You're just tuning in. The other thing that happens when you begin to pause rather than push through is you start to break the unconscious way of being. Like without pause, we're kind of in autopilot. You're just going through the motions of your day. You're in a flurry of energy, but you're not necessarily thinking before you're acting because you're just unconsciously going through the motions. So the pause and taking a few breaths forces you to become conscious and aware because the point of power is in the present moment. So when you become present by pausing, you have an opportunity to really check in with yourself and be intentional with how you are choosing to live your day. Being intentional with what do I actually need right now? Am I actually hungry? Do I actually just need to go rest? Do I need to just go take five minutes? Oh, you know what? I'm pretty pissed about what happened today. Wow, I didn't realize how much that got to me until I paused to check in with myself. When you check in and you look within, you are going to understand what's going on in your inner world. And that level of awareness then guides you to make informed choices about how you're choosing to show up for yourself rather than staying stuck in the unconscious mindless patterns that are controlling your life. So you want to break your evening emotional eating pattern, then you need to begin to break the pattern of pushing through without pause. Got it? The fourth pattern is working without play. This kind of goes hand in hand, but for so many of us, as we've adulted and grown up, we've just reached a point in our life where we're all serious. It's like just responsibility and work and more responsibility and work. And yes, we do need, you know, to adult, but not at the expense of still infusing life with pleasure and play. Pleasure, play, fun, silliness, laughter. These are remedies for our soul. They create frequencies in our body that feel good. And we want to feel good in this life. And if the only thing right now that feels good for you is your evening snack or binge, that lets me know that you've got way too much work 
and not enough play going on. Because if you had more play in your life, you would be generating the feelings of pleasure and enjoyment and laughter in other organic, natural, healthy ways. And not defaulting to food to be the only source of pleasure or joy or what what are the words? Excitement, right? That you experience in your life. If that feels true for you, like, yeah, that's it. That evening cookie is like the thing that I look forward to that gets me through the day. I'm not shaming you at all. Not at all. I totally get it. I was there, which is why I know how important it is to start to sprinkle in and infuse more play into your life. In fact, the most important work or job that you have to do from this point forward is begin to give yourself downtime and rest time and playtime, fun time. I don't care if that's with your partner, with your kids, with friends, with yourself, with God, with your pet, but you are going to prioritize finding time putting it on your calendar. Here's a chunk of time of fun that I'm going to do. I'll give you some inspiration. Personally, I am in the next few weeks going to go to a trampoline park because that sounds really fun to me. I grew up doing gymnastics. My inner child loves trampolines. I haven't jumped on a trampoline in years. I was like, you know what? That sounds really, really fun. So I'm going to go to a trampoline park. What are you going to do? Write down, push pause right now, make a list of three, five, ten things that sound fun for you to do. Have a game night with girlfriends, go to a local museum or concert, go to a thrift shop and find some outrageous attire and go to a bar in 70s outfits. Like, get wild, get crazy, get silly, get creative, but make sure it feels fun and playful. And finally, the fifth pattern that I want you to work on improving. It's the pattern of putting everyone else before you. And I know, I know, most of us do it all the time. And even when we recognize that we do it, we continue to do it because you don't want to let people down. You don't want to disappoint people. You feel obligated. I get it. And it's not serving you. If you've reached the point where you just cannot tolerate continuing to engage in your eating habits and patterns that aren't serving you and you're desperate to improve those patterns, then you have to be willing to put yourself first. You have to be willing to say no to other people. You have to be willing to face your fears of setting boundaries and asking for what you need and potentially disappointing people and be with and feel all of that. We're not avoiding how uncomfortable that can be. We're going to be with the discomfort. You're going to get more comfortable with the discomfort of disappointing people or people potentially not liking you. And I know as people pleasers, oh, that's like the scariest thing, but it is absolutely necessary because as long as you continue to put other people before yourself, you will continue to sacrifice your needs. You will continue to give away your time and your energy that could go into helping you make the changes you need to make for yourself, you're going to use it all up on everybody else and have nothing left for you. And that's one of the reasons why you're in this situation. Because by the end of the day, the only thing you have the energy to do is to eat. And that's not how you want to continue to live. I know it's not. So you're going to recognize that you matter, that your time is valuable, that you get to start to build the courage to say no to everyone else in loving ways, of course. You know, maybe that's, for example, 
just going to give you an example. When I was seeing clients, when I first started out in therapy, you know, someone would want to reschedule and I would bend over backwards to fit them into my schedule during dinner time, right? Which is when I would have normally sat down to nourish myself. But instead, I'm going to squeeze in a client because I want to make them happy. And then I would miss dinner. And by the time I'd be done, you know, at the end of the day, I'd be starving and I'd set myself up to binge because I didn't prioritize that I needed time to eat without feeling rushed and crammed and without going too long without eating. So that's just one example how, you know, I was putting other people before myself and I was so scared to tell them, I'm sorry, I can't fit you in tonight, but I had to start to make that change. And I've learned how to build up the communication skills to say, I'm so sorry, I don't have an opening tonight. I could see you Friday at this time or this time. What works for you? And if that doesn't work, we'll get you set up for next week right? And so it's okay to be able to advocate for both. I'm here to help you. And it also is going to be supporting me at the same time. Like both can coexist a lot of the time, not always. Sometimes it's not possible, but we're working towards improving that pattern so that you get to have your needs met while also supporting those people who you do want to support. That isn't out of obligation, but that's coming from your heart's desire. Yeah. So in summary, you're going to begin to work on changing these five patterns from this moment forward. You're going to start to forgive yourself and stop the shame blame game immediately. Instead of thinking your way out of your problem, you're going to begin to feel your feelings anytime you're having an emotional eating episode. Instead of pushing through your day without pause, you are going to schedule either micro moments or mega moments where you get to rest and recharge. Instead of working all the time without play, you are going to find time in your life to incorporate playful, fun activities and experiences that create joy and pleasure for you on a regular basis. And rather than putting everyone before yourself, and pleasing everybody at the expense of your well-being and needs, you're going to begin to prioritize yourself and say yes to you and say no when you don't have the capacity to give more than you have to give. You get to start to put yourself and your needs first because you're worthy of it and because it's absolutely necessary to make these changes and to change these patterns in order to change the eating patterns that have been plaguing you. You got this. And if you need help and support, I got you. I am going to be launching a new upcoming group coaching program. I'll make a whole new podcast episode that's all about it, but it's going to be a container where I walk with you and guide you through this inner work and help you make these changes that are sometimes really hard to make. It's hard to break these patterns. You know, it's the emotional eating cycle is much bigger than just food and eating. Like I always say. So if you're looking for more support, you can go ahead and click the waitlist application below and I'll contact you with upcoming opportunities. Stay well, my friends, and be kind to yourself. I love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Empowered Eating and Living Podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to follow the show so you don't miss future episodes. And if you loved it, then please share this episode on your social media or send it to loved ones who may benefit from listening too. 